Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Oh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Well, welcome to the first Brandle Chambly podcast yeah. with Jaime Diaz, myself here. And it's a real honor to be with Brandle, a great privilege to work with him. Uh, I've always admired him from afar as a player and certainly as a commentator and an analyst, I think he breaks new ground so often and that's why he's here. Uh, and Brandel, Right back at you. No, you know, yeah. I, uh, I've been reading you since, well, <laughs> I don't even know, it's probably since I was in college. So, um, <laughs> you know, mo a lot of my friends in golf, some of my best friends were writers. Yeah. Because I've, I've just picked up so much uh, from you gentlemen and, and women over the years. Um, well, you're so a writer yourself. It's a pleasure. Well, with, no, a, with one I, book to your name I, and one coming up. I put up. stuff on paper no, and, and then it goes to the computer, but I'm hardly a writer, but... Uh, um, but anyway, it's that, a pleasure. Look forward to it's it. It's a great pleasure. Today we're going to talk about Tiger and Jack a little later, which is a huge topic. It go a lot of different ways. Brandel's talked about those two guys in very, very groundbreaking and interesting ways, and I've certainly covered a lot of both of them, and it's always been a privilege. They're a rich topic, so we're looking forward to that. Um, but the main thing uh, is, uh, you know, we – well, I shouldn't say the main thing. The, the, the thing that we're going to talk to at the beginning of these podcasts is something current. And uh, there's been a lot of things happening in golf in the first half of the year. Right now, Justin Rose, the number one player in the year uh, in the world, is um, switching golf clubs to from TaylorMade to Hamna. At least got a ten club uh, contract. Uh, you know, there's a there's a way of thinking now that perhaps the the companies and the technology has gotten so sophisticated that changes are not that dangerous because anything the player wants can be replicated exactly to his eye and exactly mm -hmm. to his specs, and it's not a big transformation. But as you know, the history of golf is full of mishaps when equipment uh, I, has been changed, and I wonder yeah. how you're looking at this. Yeah, I've heard that for years, that uh, you know the precision is such in equipment that you know, changes can be made seamlessly. I, I've yet to see it happen. Um, I think the two most dangerous places on the PGA Tour um, or the driving range. Uh, it's a very dangerous place. Uh, and equipment trucks. I mean, you can get some great work done in there, no question about it. And, and, and um, you know, from a repair aspect, it's, it's irreplaceable out there. But when you see somebody make a change uh, so quickly um, and such a wholesale change, I mean, if you remember, it took Tiger Woods a long time to make changes um, back in the early 2000s. Uh, it took him a long time, almost, you know, more than a year to make changes through the bag. Um, so I was curious just how Justin Rose would start this year. And, you know, starting in the desert, uh, his ball striking statistics were, were way down. He was near mm -hmm. the bottom of the field. And, you know, strokes gained tee to green, he was near the bottom of the field. Now, around the green, he was still brilliant. And on the green, he was still brilliant. But that was a red flag to you. I think, you know, mm -hmm. look, it's one event, so the mm -hmm. statistical sample is really, really small. Yeah. But if you go back to 2018, the last three or four events he played, you know, he had come to a point in his career, really it was a crescendo. It was building. You know, you're talking mm -hmm. about 20 years of work, tedious work to his golf swing, to his body, to finally put the final pieces of the puzzle together to his putter, which is why he became the best player in the world. It was the one thing that was missing. And he finally gets there, and then he changes equipment. So... Uh, certainly something to look forward yeah. to, or not look forward to, but watch out for as this year goes on. And one event under his belt, um, you know, from a ball striking standpoint, it was it was one of the worst performances he's had in a long time. And just to follow up, as it, going back and, and drawing from your own career, all through your career, when you made a, uh, an equipment change, can you describe the nuanced differences that that could entail? Well, look, I would go into an equipment trailer with a driver and, and say, look, I need a backup. Mm -hmm. And they'd make 20 of them, 25 of them. And then I'd go out to the range with those 25 identical drivers. Uh, the club head was, you know, presumably the same weight. The shafts were the same weight, same grips on them. And none of them would be identical. None of them. They would all be different, you know. Um, and they're different to you guys because you have you know, the feel and the touch that's very precise. Right. I used to joke that yeah. it, was, it was akin to um, – 
finding a good partner in life. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, it was, it was like you know, you can you can have all these criteria, yeah. But in the end, I mean, there's some luck involved. And and the more you notice, and the more <laughs> details you notice, not just about a person, but about a golf club, the more likely that it won't fit you exactly as your previous. Yeah, club. well, I'll give yeah. you one. I just recently in 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 the off season, I'm gonna call it our off season. We had a couple of weeks off here. Uh, I started messing around with equipment. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going to try to play some this sure. next year a little bit. And I went and got fitted for a driver and a three-wood. And, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to find the exact flight, the exact spin rate, the exact apex, the exact landing angle, all that. Uh, and then, and mind you, this, I'm playing a driver that's 15 years old. So yeah, you, you know when, when I showed yeah, up, yeah, yeah. well, they said I needed a new driver, and I said you're not going to beat this one. You won't make really? one better than this. And and indeed, even when I was being tested, they could only find a driver that would go like a mile or two hour, mile or two wow. miles an hour faster with ball speed. So I said, there's a reason I'm playing this driver. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not playing it for its looks because God knows it's ugly. Um, anyway, we find one that has all the right specs. They send me one that they make identical to that. Mm -hmm. And in no way, shape, or form yeah. was it identical. Yeah. None. I took it with me to a, mm -hmm. a, a golf soiree, mm -hmm. and it got out there, and it fluttered at its apex, and it came down at a different angle. And these are people that know what they're doing, and yeah. I'm, not say, I'm not criticizing them. I'm just saying there is a lot of nuance yes. and a lot of luck to finding the right equipment. Now, Justin would have access to constant you know, analysis, forensic study, of launch angles, spin rate. He, you know, you got TrackMan and FlightScope with him and all those things, every shot he hits. But it still boils down to feel here, knowing the personality of a club, knowing what it's going to do when you want to hit this shot and that situation. Uh, and it was just surprising to yeah. me. Okay. It was just surprising to me. Well, I, I can't imagine why someone would make a change in equipment mm. for money. For money. Well, he would say the, it's for mostly for aesthetics. But let's put yeah. a pin on that, and we'll just keep our eye on it, it because we're going to need a bigger sample size. But it's, that's right. It's very. We'll need a bigger sample size. And you know, now, of course, Tiger Woods is starting 2019 here, and 2018 was an incredible success relative to where he started Greatest from. Greatest comeback in the history of golf. In my now, opinion. in a sense, the expectations have been raised, and I just wonder where you think he is, and what, what do you see for well, this year? Well, if he comes back and drives the ball anywhere near like he did at the Tour Championship last year, then everything's possible. You know, it's possible that he'll break Sam Snead's record of 82 wins this year. He's, mm -hmm. he's only going to win three more times to do that. That's very possible. It's possible that he could win a major championship. It's much more likely that that was uh, a bit of an anomaly. It was a perfect week for him. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, from the time he turned pro until – um, 2010. He was, you know, year in and year out, if you take all those averages, he was right around fifth or sixth in driving distance uh, with a, a, a fair amount of accuracy. And even beyond that, his miss wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. Distance from the edge of the fairway is a very important statistic because it just tells you how bad yeah. his bad swing is. Mm -hmm. Since then, he's been closer to 50th on average in driving distance. And then this includes last year, closer to 50th in driving distance. But so he had his worst year ever last year in distance from the edge of the fairway. He's 165th, I believe. So you're talking about for, for, he's driving it worse mm -hmm. than he ever yeah, has, even though he drove it beautifully at the Tour Championship. And it's yeah. more likely, mm -hmm. and look, and look he's, he's 43, he's not 42, and the door closes so fast. So he's more likely going to struggle with his driving in a way that he never has before. And even though he putted fine, he didn't putt brilliantly. There were, you, you couldn't say that nobody putted better than him. Right. Scores of people putted better than him. So it's more likely that he's going to struggle with his putting to some extent like he never has before. It's more likely that he's going to struggle with his driving to some extent that he never has before. Now, he still remains almost peerless with his iron play. He finished third in strokes gain approach. Now, that's off for him. Every year that he's been measured since 2006, he has been the very best iron player. And that, people are always like, what's the secret to play, winning? You know, the secret, if, if you want to call it a secret, is separating yourself with great iron shots, period. That's it. Now, there's, there's, you fill in the blanks from there, mm -hmm. but it all starts with great iron play. And, and he, was, he, he was, you know, a, head and shoulders above everybody else. Last year, he was third. So he's, he's still marvelous. So, um, you know, we'll hang on every shot he hits. We'll watch every shot he hits because he's, He's he's got a he's got a chance now to get back on the trajectory, mm -hmm. career trajectory path to be the greatest player 
of all time. Right. And, and his game's fallen off in the last decade, you know, off of that trajectory quite a bit. He was on pace to be the greatest player of all time. And, and, and we're talking about two different things. He's, he played the greatest golf that's ever been played. If we're talking about a peak season, five years, uh, you know, peak, um, nobody ever played golf like Tiger Woods did from, say, 98 to 2002. Nobody. It's not even close. By far and away. But nor has anybody dominated for as long as Jack Nicklaus. It's not even close. Now, Tiger was on a path yeah. to catch Jack and surpass Jack, but he's fallen off substantially. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got a chance to, uh, to pick back up. Well, you've segued into our main topic very <laughs> seamlessly. Thank you. I, I did just want to add really quickly, do yeah. you put any stock in the idea that Tiger was building last year towards something greater? and that he's actually on an upward trajectory so that his bad shots and those statistics were skewed by the beginning as opposed to where he was by the time the Tour Championship was played. I know he played poorly at the Ryder Cup and didn't play well in the match, but do you feel yeah. like he is at a higher level a good question. Uh, because of the last part of the year than perhaps yeah. his stats would indicate? That's a good question. Uh, I, I would say Tiger's always had an assembly period mm -hmm. in the – four or five times that he's made changes. It's taken him a while to assemble the parts of the swing that he needed to. And you could watch him do it last year, and he did it beautifully. From Genesis to Honda, it was a completely different move. Much, much longer swing, more, you know, a little quieter in transition. And then even at the Tour Championship, and towards the end of the year, he wasn't swinging as violent as he was. So, yeah, I think there was some assembly. The problem is he's, he's not 28 doing this. Mm -hmm. He's not even 32 doing this. He's 43. So there's such a physiological decline mm. at 42, 43. You start to look at the top 10 players, yeah. you know, the greatest players of all time, and you want to look at how many times they won and how many majors they won. Oh. It's a dearth of success. Only and Sam and will, VJ and a couple. Right. Now, yeah. mm. when you want to throw out Sam and VJ and Joey Spurls, mm -hmm. these are great examples. But they had long, languid golf swings. Nobody's going to ever call Tiger Woods' golf swing long and languid. And, and for the most part, Julius Burroughs, Vijay Singh, and Sam Snead were injury-free mm -hmm. throughout their careers. And there's another aspect of this that I don't think people put enough emphasis on. When you, when you live in the domain, when you breathe the air of constant scrutiny to the extent that Tiger Woods has, and I would say Jack Nicklaus did, to a relative extent in his mm -hmm. era, Arnold Palmer did, Greg Norman did, those players, there's a psychic... Yeah, we're um, out fast. There, there, there's hey. absolutely, there's mm -hmm. a psychic cost. Mm -hmm. You know, they have advantages over us, but there's also disadvantages. Being under the scrutiny to that extent, at some point, you have to say, you know what, I'm happier in Tiger's case, spearfishing and free diving or whatever it is. Um, you know, paternal pangs certainly come into the play. And that has, I think, as much as anything to do with the the uh, dearth of success post-43, and, and that really is beginning to be the cutoff um, at great success on the PGA Tour when you, when you look at, at players. So, you know, I, I, I'm like everybody else. I love watching Tiger Woods play golf. Uh, he's, he's captivating, and he's on the cusp of doing things that, you know, maybe will never be better than the history of the game, but I'm not as optimistic about mm -hmm. his chances of doing it. And to go back to your earlier point about the psychic cost, wasn't Jack – Maybe the best. Obviously, he was the greatest player in terms of yeah. career. But wasn't he also wasn't part of that greatness the way he could manage no, his life? No, and, no question. And that he had an intuitive sense or a planned sense. I think it was more intuitive that this was the time to back off. And this was the time to recover and rest and not play at the end of the year. No and question. He had a great line. I re recall him. I was lucky. It was just to me. Uh, you know, it was like uh, you have to keep your you have to keep your juice. You know, That's and, and you know, you have to know what you have, how much you have, and, and how line. do you keep it? And that's really the career challenge. And I think, to his prime of mind, that's why attributable to his a lot of his greatness. So I couldn't at, agree more. As we talk about Tiger and Jack, there's so many variables and there's so many ways to compare them. <laughs> you have said that, and I think it's a commonly held view that Tiger played the greatest golf ever. Jack had the greatest career. So how would you break that down as far yeah. as who was actually greater? Yeah. Well, you know, look, re, and I, I'm of the opinion that, you, you know, you, you take your opinions out once or twice a month, you mm -hmm. know, and you, and you just you beat them up. You know, you kick them around and yeah. you look for the holes. And, you know, I'm, I'm always after a better way to talk about 
what Tiger has been to golf and what Jack and what Walter Hagen and Sam Snead and Annika Sorenstam and Patty Berg were to the game of golf. And, and recently I came across a book that I, I thought was just absolutely fascinating. And generally it takes somebody outside of golf to look at golf mm-hmm. in a way that typically people inside golf don't look at it. And this fellow is a, uh, a man by the name of Bill Felber who does a lot of Sabre uh, statistics for for uh, baseball. The, the, much, book's, the book's called The Whole Truth. The Whole Truth, much mm-hmm. the same way that Bill James does. Mm-hmm. Um, statistic analysis for for baseball and he used a system look if you can assemble scores if they assemble in a bell curve essentially and everybody's familiar with what a bell curve looks like most people (laughs) right and then i I would be challenged right and and, and most people know what a bell it literally looks like a bell right and if you have a bell then one standard deviation will be 65 percent of the scores in Mm -hmm. a tournament two standard deviations will be 95 of those scores and 99 percent of the scores will be represented within three standard deviations and so you then use that standard deviation to convert to what he calls a z-score and essentially assign a number to success on the PGA Tour, which is a complicated way of saying every tournament mm-hmm. counts. Yeah. So in, ba- in golf, we always, I've been in these discussions forever, and people will say, well, Jack had 18 wins, Tiger's got 14 wins, Jack was better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll use that type of reason and rationale. Majors have become the shorthand, the for, shorthand. for measuring. Yeah. But to only consider mm-hmm. wins, Jack won 10% of his golf tournaments, so we're going to dismiss 90% of them? Mm-hmm. This would be like judging a quarterback for the last five minutes in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. across all quarterbacks. Yeah. We're only going to talk about five minutes uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter. It's like, no, all the golf counts. And that's where Jack begins to become even greater in our eyes. Like mm-hmm. he, was, he is so far past the golfer that Tiger Woods has been in his career and the golfer that even Walter Hagen was and Sam Snead was, he's got such a lead mm-hmm. career-wise because, yes, Tiger was more dominant in a short period of time, 98 to 2002, than Jack ever was. Mm-hmm. But Jack did have two marvelous peaks in the 90s and the 70s. But Tiger, excuse me, Jack, has been dominant far more, you know, yeah. far longer uh, than any golfer. But don't we look at sports, I mean, whether it's Mickey Mantle, for example, who had a pretty small window. And at the same time, a lot of people consider him the greatest player they ever saw. Uh, or the, the player who was great for, for yes. o- over time, yes. uh, for a long yeah. time. Well, look, so, great, great question. Go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say great question. Mm-hmm. But in other sports, you don't get the longevity. You know, there, you, mm-hmm. you, know you, you get a very short window of athleticism. And once there's physiological decline, they're done. So you can more aptly say whoever was the best – was the best, plain and simple. Mm-hmm. But in golf, I think you have to ask two questions because careers span from the time you turn pro really until you turn 50. They're playing competitive golf. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're, you know, Sam Snead finished uh, sixth in the Open Championship in 1962. Sixth. He was 50. Mm-hmm. Harry Varden finished second. Uh, in the Open in 1920, he was 50. I still think it's a new way to look at things. So it is. Yeah. So it, you know, you have to talk about Tiger's not going to quit playing competitive golf unless injury uh, resigns him, you know, to to the sidelines. But, but we remember Bobby Jones for 1930, and we remember Ben yeah. Hogan for 1953, and we remember right. Tiger for 2000. And right. Jack, you know, it's hard to figure one year, which is part of his greatness. Maybe 72 or 75. Uh, everybody remembers 86 as the as the great climax, but yeah. that wasn't his, he wasn't the greatest golfer at that moment. So I would, I'd like to ask you in a different way, uh, because I think you make an excellent point, and I, and I think it's understandable regardless. I mean, The Whole Truth is a wonderful book as far as, you know, breaking it down in numbers, and, and I, you know, have no reason to think it's not accurate, but it comes from a perspective that says we're counting every shot. And I don't think in most people's mind as they evaluate golfers, they're counting every shot. No, because they're not. Because some people's bad golf is really bad. At, I mean, Walter Hagen's, the end of his golf career, I would imagine, was, pr- was pretty bad. Uh, although he had, he did last a, for a tremendous amount of time. Yeah. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't judge using yeah. as the only example, except that you know he was basically a ceremonial golfer there for about four or five years. Probably didn't play enough tournaments to affect the greater whole. Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. So but I, I wonder, is it more uh, genuine to people or authentic to people to look at a player in terms of how complete he was and what were his tools and, and but how- that but that is where you start to consider every tournament because the complete player it has to do with every facet of his game it also has to do with the fluidity uh and the rhythm of his golf swing which would 
prohibit you or, 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 or make you less susceptible to injuries, the balance in your life. Well, you're talking about management. Yeah, you're talking about management, and, career and, and management. And Jack was the greatest manager. I don't think there's any doubt. I, I happen to think Jack was the greatest player. But, but beyond that, but Jack had a golf swing that was less injurious to I understand. the body. I understand. So if you pick the ball off the turf, you're going to do less injury to your body yes. than people who have. It's almost like like Tiger, you know, self-destructed in a almost out of his duty towards ultimate improvement. Yeah. Well, let yeah, me just yeah, yeah. absolutely. So yeah. I have said before, and I'll continue to say this, that Tiger got the least out of his talent of any golfer in history. Well, but that's across longevity. No. Couldn't you no, make no, no, Couldn't no. you make the argument that he? He himself wanted to be and believed he was an overachiever. No, no. That's I, what he believed. Well, I mean, it's because fine. he I mean, thought as, he was as an quite act. talented, yeah. but that he outworked people. Yeah. Well, every every great player outworked every. I mean, look, you know, Jack Grout would say nobody worked harder than Jack Nicklaus. Uh, ben Hogan worked harder than anybody else. People will say Tiger Woods outworked him. Greg Norman is the hardest they're worker all ever. Workers. Gary Player is the you hardest. You think it's a given that Annika Sorenstam yeah, is the okay. great right. hardest worker ever. They all work hard, but everybody's going to say, and people around them in their camp are going to say nobody worked harder. Well, than Tiger but, thought let me it was manifested very quickly just to say that he felt like if he had a weakness, he could make it a strength. Well, and that, that and, and across that, the game, that's not very common. And that was. You could say his greatest strength, but his greatest weakness. So when I say he got the least out of his talent, I come at it from this perspective. From the, from the 97 Masters to the 2009 PGA where Y.A. Yang beat him. The 97 Masters where he won by 12. That's 50 majors that he played in. And he won 14 of them. That's 28%. Yeah. Okay? Since the 2010 Masters to the 2019 PGA, that's 24 majors that he's played in. He's won zero of those, okay? That's zero. So 28% of 24 is roughly seven majors, okay? Now let's set that aside for a minute. He willfully abandoned the golf swing that won by 12 and 97, okay? He went on a 10-major winless streak and then came back with a new swing. From 99 to 2010, that's 16 major championships, and he won seven of those. Seven of 16 is 43%. Okay? Then he willfully abandoned that golf swing. He came back in the 2005 Masters, so 2005 Masters, 2009 PGA. He played in 18 major championships, and he won six of them. That's 33%. Take your pick, 43 33%. Mm -hmm. So let's split the difference, call it 38%. If you consider what 38% is of the 10 majors he missed in 97 and the 10 majors he missed when he decided to change his golf swing in 2002 to 2005, again, that's close to seven more majors and and the only reason i say this about tiger mm. woods is he is he is from a statistical probability and prediction standpoint he was the most analyst friendly you could hang your hat on predictions with him mm. and statistical probabilities are a real thing i mean the likelihood that they're going to happen in any one event is highly unlikely but over the course of time they're going to happen so you're talking about 14 major championships who else out there had the potential to win 14 major championships, and just because they decided to change their golf swing, for no other reason. Well, go ahead. He did not win them. I understand. And and more than that, more than that, those lapses are why he lapsed behind Jack Nicklaus. Mm -hmm. So Jack Nicklaus in the entire decade of the 70s finished outside the top 10 five times. Think about that, just five times. Conversely, Tiger Woods from 2000 to 2009 finished outside the top 10 13 times. And from 2010 to present, he finished outside the top 10 16 times. And even in 96, sorry, 97 to 2009, five times he finished outside the top 10. So that, that incessant addiction to mm -hmm. build and destroy mm -hmm. cost Tiger Woods in the comparison with Jack Nicklaus. Now you could, and he probably does, make the argument that they're the reason he played the greatest golf ever I'd say that the swing that won by 12 shots in 97 was good enough to win at a 33-43% sure. clip. And I've talked to a lot of players who, Gary Player, Lee Trevino in particular, those two guys felt like Tyre sort of outsmarted himself. He tried to go for something mm -hmm. that probably was not a wise thing in terms of the realities of golf, which is, you know, it's better to maintain and then understand that the game is actually a game of constant adjustment every day anyway. You don't really have the same swing every day, even if you're using the same you swing you thought. Do. You think you do. So that's right. His idea was, I can I can overpower the precedent here because I'm that talented and I have that much will. That's that's and, right. And and I think so. That sense of greatness that he had was something that fueled him towards greatness. 
perhaps it had this backlash that you're talking about. I would say I think you're putting maybe too much emphasis on the golf swing when you're talking about post-2010 because there were psychological factors. Oh, no question. And a lot of things. But that's so, balance in life. It's not just okay, golf swing. Okay, I got you there. But, but it was also. But when you say willfully change the golf swing, you know, that's a pejorative, willfully. It sounds to me like you're saying, you know, he did something that almost maybe subconsciously was self-destructive. Uh well, I'm just saying injury did not make him change his golf swing in 2000 or 2002. It didn't make him change his golf swing in 97. And even the change that he made in 2010, it was such a drastic change. It went beyond just the swing change. Sure, but he was at a point at that time when he was rebuilding everything. Oh, no so, question yeah, about I it. Mean, so I almost, you're talking about career? I mean, he went to Sean Foley, and you know, Sean had some radical ideas. The golf swing conception out on tour was changing. There was a lot of hanging left, sort of stack and tilt but concepts. But that, that, that golf swing was so bad for him. I'm sure it was, Brandon. I'm it not questioning so you. You'd, you'd be the judge of the good golf swings. I, I, but I just wonder about his judgment and whether we should castigate him for seeking something because he'd always been a seeker i'm not casketing oh I'm no just, but i'm just, just saying when I'm you just, say he when you say he's the most underachieving golf coach, look look let me look, yeah yeah look yeah let's just say i'll mm -hmm. use another example let's say that that shakespeare in 1599 quit writing okay <laughs> now in 1599 he wrote hamlet okay yeah. prior to that he had written romeo and juliet He'd written Julius Caesar. He'd written Henry V, Much Ado About Nothing. And he'd written basically half of this body of work. If he had quit writing right then, we wouldn't have King Lear. We wouldn't have Macbeth. We wouldn't have Henry VIII and scores of other, the other half of his writing. Now, if somebody said, you have the talent to write King Lear and Macbeth and Henry VIII, and you, and you don't write it, okay, you don't write it, it is underachieving but, on a on an unbelievable but you're scale. underestimating the mystery of art and the mystery of talent and the mystery of genius no one even the genius doesn't know what's ahead no question about so it. he made this call you've judged it and with with facts and with you know some justification that it was a mistake and maybe tiger at some point in his career or his life will look back and go you know i i I flew too close to the sun oh, there. Look, he's just trying to get I back mean, to the golf swing he had in 2000. Well, I think I he's well, I basically know. admitted. Now, perhaps, but there yeah. was certainly a period where he thought that golf swing was flawed. And and to your point, 2007 was as good as 2000. It and was. And that was a different golf swing. It was. I mean, I think the view I hear from, argument. from most players is when you're that talented, it's scary what a teacher tells you because you can do it. I'm not saying yeah. that the golf swing that he had in 2007 yeah. was worse than the swing he had in 2000. Okay. But not the, at all. The change is what cost the, him. Yeah. The, 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 the co all an athlete yes. has is time. time. Yes. And the cost, mm -hmm. not only the, the actual time cost, mm -hmm. I'm talking about the psychological drain of it. Yeah. It is distracting in so many different ways. And, and you're right, there's, there's huge psychological, emotional um, detriments, hurdles that he had to get over from 2010. But again, that goes to the balance. That's why we talk about Jack Nicklaus as the greatest player of all time, yeah. is because he had that balance in his life. And he had that self-discipline, and that, that matters over yeah. a career. Let me uh, shift gears slightly to, to Jack, because my opinion, Jack, yes, all those intangibles, management and patience and temperament are in his favor, I think, in most people's mind as, as being exceptional and being the keys to his greatness. But I sometimes think, he, and I didn't see him play a lot, but uh, I was fortunate in the 70s to see him some. Uh, but I think he's underestimated in terms of how good he was physically. Uh, and because I think there's a presumption that Tiger was the superior athlete and could do more with speed. I think Tiger's advantage was the short game and putting, and you're probably in agreement uh, as far no, as, as no, far not. as far as short game over Jack. Uh, uh, yeah, not I'm putting necessarily. Okay, let's but, let's let's, but, let's but, yeah around the green. But but even I would disagree with you because yeah, it, it's wrong to say that Jack or that Tiger was a great pitcher chipper of the ball. Great, it's wrong. Um, it's just not represented okay. in any way. He was he was a little bit above. He was b above average. I but you see those chips, and you think, God, he's the greatest chipper of well, all time. Well, because I, they were achieved in the moment that's when right. it had to be the done. The moment made them bigger, I promise you. But Jim when you can Furyk, do them in the moment, that's part of, of being great. Well, the yeah. more you're in the moment, it makes you, it okay. makes you more comfortable <laughs> with the moment. Okay. So yeah. they feed on each other. Yeah. I promise you Steve Stricker and Jim Furyk would have been holding more of those pitch shots. Yeah. If it, they were just far better than they, they were far better than Jack, yeah. uh, Tiger at pitching mm -hmm. the ball now again that goes back to what Tiger did this year he chipped better this year than he's ever chipped in his life so again along the lines of the greatest comeback I've ever seen yeah that was a big part of it yeah yes that was but a just, huge part oh, of it but just but, to make the but, okay, to limit ahead. it to Jack and Tiger uh, 
let's give Tiger a slight edge, and at least a slight edge in, in, and short, the ball. in short. Sure, game. okay. But you know, I think there's a sense that well, Tiger, you know, was longer, and Tiger was more explosive, could make more birdies because you know he just had, you know, this dynamic element to his game that. And I think Jack probably was farther ahead of his competition in terms of power and accuracy combined, true power golf, than Tiger was. No, uh, no question. And that, I think, gets lost sometimes. I mean, Arnold Palmer, I remember talking to him about Jack, and he goes, you know, no one remembers how great an iron player Jack was. I mean, his greens and regulation thing uh, stats were, they weren't as sophisticated as today, but they were just off the charts. And he just wouldn't miss a shot with a six. And that's, the, that's an era when guys were hitting six and five and four irons, even Jack into par fours. Yes. So, and Jack was an incredible athlete growing up. So I'm not denigrating Tiger in any way. I, I just often wonder, because I think it's very, very close. And Tiger had some, I think, some advantages temperamentally too over Jack in terms of motivation and, mm. the, and the amount of fire that he had in competition. Uh, he might have been even better competitor than Jack. Uh, it's possible. I know he yeah. hadn't come from behind, but yeah. when he got ahead, that was awesome. Certainly with the lead. So all I'm saying about Jack is great driver of the golf ball. Best well, ever. So there you go. So how much do you factor that in when you say, I mean, because you've only talked about, not only, yeah. but you've emphasized management. I just wonder if he gets his due as a physical player of and of skill and tools, so yeah. to speak. You know, as, 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 you know, Jack is, you know, he's, he's a, uh, Elder, you know, an elder statesman in the game, and and he talks pretty humbly. Mm-hmm. Um, when you hear him, he talks pretty humbly. You know, Tiger, you know, can still break my record, and mm-hmm. you know, when people ask him about how great he was, he's been asked that you know, umpteen million times. Sure. He he sort of humbly dismisses it, and and unless you're like us, constantly going back and looking at the footage of Jack Nicklaus when he was younger. It's easy to sort of see him later in his years because all that video is fresh and think, well, that's Jack. It doesn't look that amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he had, you know, the the first year they kept statistics on the PGA Tour. Of, of it was like that IBM. 1980, oh, okay. okay. Well, 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 no, well in 68 they had IBM oh, no, but, did them. But as far as the tour. In 68, you're mm-hmm. right, you're mm-hmm. well. And, and Jack led those in, yeah, in fairways and, and greens and regulation. Mm-hmm. But in 80, he was a 40-year-old man. And I, you know, now then they'll say, you know, total driving is, you know, an antiquated statistic, but it was the best they had in 1980. And I don't entirely agree it's antiquated, but in 1980, it was the best they had, which is a cumulative stat of driving distance and accuracy. And he set a record then that has not been surpassed since. It wasn't surpassed by David Duvall. It wasn't surpassed by Greg Norman. It wasn't surpassed by Tiger Woods. Not even close. Uh, So you can only sort of extrapolate backwards from 1980 mm-hmm. to, to sort of imagine how great of a driver Jack was in 1962, three, four, five, six, and, and even in the 70s when Jack had his most dominant period. So, you know, Jack had uh, tr- tremendous control. And this is my argument, again, mm-hmm. about, about, you know, what the game's missing now, in my opinion, is no longer is missing a fairway a penalty. Um, the penalty for missing a fairway on the PGA Tour last year was 0.1%, 10% of a shot. And that, that to me, is ludicrous. Uh, and, and, and just in and of itself, it's ludicrous. But the consequences, phys- uh, ph- philosophically, about what that means to golf, um, is, is, it's egregious. That's egregious because it, 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 it tells players that you don't have to be accountable for the hardest thing to do in golf, mm, which is to straight. hit it straight. And, with, and with, long with and leg. straight is with the leg. hardest thing to do. Yeah. And, and no longer is long and straight that important in the game of golf. Um, long and pretty straight is, uh, is the new long and straight. I, I totally agree with which that. Which is, yeah. to me, it's just, it's, it's, it's egregious. The I think caretakers the game's, of the game I think are the game's, missing it. Yes, I agree. I you think have the, to have... The game's it, out of balance. It's out of regard. balance. And how do you, as the game's gotten look as, as players have gotten longer and they've gotten you know we're, we're on tv 24 7 we're constantly talking about these players their profile is enormous now they're tremendously wealthy and with that comes a little bit more gravitas a little bit more power and so the the, the sense is that you have to listen to them and how you set up a golf course and if you listen to the players and how to set up a golf course you will make a mistake yeah it'd be like asking your students what you want them to, what what questions you want on the test? You don't ask your students. This what is another segment. On the test. We're, we're going to so, talk about this more in the so future. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's my point. Is mm-hmm. that Jack had mm-hmm. the longest? He was the longest, straightest driver in the yeah. history of the game. That's the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. 
And beyond that, you know, he hit long irons like nobody. And I would imagine that he was comparable to Tiger Woods in mm -hmm. his iron play. Yeah. Uh, and that's saying something because I can't imagine there's ever been an iron player um, better than Jack or, or, or Tiger. By the same token, you've said that Tiger was the most dominant player. So yes. what was the basis of that dominance? Was it his competition? Was it his skill level? What did he have in his game that Tiger, that Jack didn't have that made him more dominant? It was the competence uh, all the way through the bag. Um, you know, at his best, he wasn't as good as Jack was off of the tee, mm -hmm. but he was long and straight. You know, he... He hit 70, almost 73% of the fairways in 2000, 2000 yeah. and he was second in driving distance. And it's pretty easy to discount John Daly because John was trying to hit it as hard as he could on every shot. Uh, look, I, I, John Daly, I love his golf swing. I really do, and I love what he accomplished. But there was a carelessness, a recklessness to the way he played golf. Tiger Woods was second in driving distance and uh, hit 73% of the fairways. So he was the best iron player by miles. He had a 10-yard advantage over third place in driving distance. 10 yards. Mm -hmm. Third place was, was Davis Love at 288. Uh, Tiger averaged 298 in 2000. So you're talking about a huge advantage over second place in driving distance. Uh, and he was arguably the greatest putter ever uh, during that period. And, you know, I mean, there's nothing else beyond that. And, mm -hmm. and you know, from a... From a uh, uh, a golf IQ standpoint, you know, he was Einstein, you know, he mm -hmm. was, he was, you know, off the charts. So, so in your mind, that was there, possible, sustainable, and he stopped sustaining because he right. experimented. It's craziest thing in the history of sport, not mm -hmm. golf, sport. Mm -hmm. This would be, uh, this would be, you know, the, the 98 Bulls completely restructuring their team the very next year. This would be Michael Jordan uh, changing the way he shoots, you know, jumpers or free throws. You know, I, I mean, basketball is not my bailiwick, but uh, you, you, you get the picture. He had what every athlete dreams of. I mean, you first dream of some sort, some form of consistency. Then you dream of some form of dominance. To have dominant consistency and to not only have that, but have it in a way that nobody else had ever approached it. 142 cuts in a row, winning tournaments by 15 shots. Winning. Matter of fact, that, that event in 2000 was, there's only ever been three events in the history of professional golf with a fourth standard deviation that exceeded everything <laughs> by four standard deviations. Two of them were by women, by the way. Um, uh, you know, So uh, Christy Kerr had the greatest major ever played. Um, at the LPGA Championship, I believe it was 2011 when she won, or 2010 when she won by 12, and Yanni Sen the next year at the LPGA Championship. But Tiger is second. Mm -hmm. So he wins by 15. He wins by 8. Uh, he has the greatest season in the history of major championship golf. That's ladies or men. And then, you know, within a year and a half, two years, he uh, fires Butch. And he wants to change his golf swing. You know, that's hindsight, of course. And we, is it fair to expect him to have known that he had everything already? Isn't it human nature to think, especially when what, you're young? What kind of evidence would he need? Uh, well, what, what, his, what, his what? own belief and his own conception of himself in that he saw flaws, he saw mistakes, he thought close to perfection was possible. And that's what he was seeking. It's what made him great in the first place in terms of going on that journey to that extent. He had the talent, but he also had the drive, and he knew enough about the golf swing in his mind to make the right decisions about it. I think what he didn't understand was even if you make the right conceptual decision, it's still a different move. Your body has to adjust. It takes time. These are your prime years. You're losing time. You're losing to, time. To, and that's what I think history's taught us. But I'd like to have been in the room when that conversation Is it took fair place. to say that made him an underachiever? Because, yeah, he didn't achieve possibly, and you're, and this is speculative on your part, that if he just stayed with Butch, he, he would have gotten better and better. We don't know that either. We think, and it makes sense. Time makes a player better uh, until there's physiological decline such that, you I, know, I think what they, we learn is the model is take what you have, master it, keep it consistent and simple so it's as repetitive as possible with the knowledge that nothing is ever perfectly repetitive, and there's plenty of variables day to day no matter how screwed your swing seems. And yes. I think that's what Tiger. I, I'm, I'm being presumptuous here. I don't. I think that's what he didn't understand. Yeah. Is that you know what? Even with his Butch swing or whatever swing that was winning by 15 and 12, and all those things, 
he still was never really in full control of that swing. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think I think it's a you know look we're speculating here a little yeah. bit, but I think it's a product of this this generation that is easily bored. Um, you know, it's a video game sort of mentality. Um, I'm bored. Um, I, I want to change this golf well, swing, and I'll prove to you that I can do it. I mean, there, it was a bit boredom, perhaps. It was a bit arrogant. It was a bit, I can do whatever I want. Well, there's also a, the factor that he was a, a prodigy and a boyhood prodigy, and those, certainly with child actors, and those guys tend to, or those people, yeah. tend to have issues with longevity because they burn so hot for so long from a young age that maybe, and now I'm really speculating, but you know, was a child, was my childhood robbed from me? I want to do different things. I mean, Johnny Miller's talked about this. Yeah. By the time he was 30, he, he's, and I've talked to his, some old caddies, when Johnny was 28, he wanted to do things that adolescents did. You know, right? Because he missed all that, and it. Well, there was that, a there's a bit of not a, that he regretted it tremendously, yeah. but it was a hole there yeah. in, a, in a normal life. I get it. There's mm -hmm. a genius aspect to Johnny Miller, no yeah. question about it. And there's, you know, that's usually accompanied by, you know, some eccentricity, mm -hmm. and, and and I think Tiger Tiger had that. I mean, this quest to build and destroy was, you know, you could you could make a reasonable argument that it's what made him great. I mean, look, it produced. I, I'm. I could make an argument that swing he had in '96 was was one of the best ever. Matter of fact, I am, you know, I will have out within a few years this book on the hundred greatest swings of all time. Mm -hmm. Tiger will be in the book three, perhaps four times. I mean, that's preposterous. That he's he's got three or four different swings that were such of such quality that he will be in that book different. You know, it's it's ridiculous to think that somebody would ever have more than one swing. It takes a lifetime to build mm -hmm. one swing. But the swing in '96 was amazing. But the swing that he had in 2000, produced the greatest golf ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hear it all the time. Well, he snapped his left leg, and that's why he hurt his left leg. Well, you know, anybody that says that just needs to go on YouTube and, and see look at Sam Snead, yeah. look at Gary Player. You can't find two players that play the game better, longer. Um, you know, and I'm talking about into their 60s. Sam Snead finished third in the PGA when he was 62. He made the cut in the PGA when he was 67. Okay? So... And Gary Player was doing similar, yeah, feats of unimaginable yeah. things. Mm -hmm. Both of them snapped their left leg mm -hmm. harder or as hard yeah. than Tiger Woods. Snapping your left leg was not what injured Tiger. Likely stuff in the gym, likely jumping out of helicopter. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But it wasn't his golf swing. You know, it's interesting about Jack because I think the conception is that he left more good golf out there, even himself. But I think, paradoxically, that's actually his genius. Be, you know, I've asked him, and he said, you know, I probably got about 70% out of it in terms of my effort. There were years where I just did not grind. And it's famously when his, yes. before his, his dad passed right. and then when his father passed, it, it sort of gave him this urgency that I didn't get the most out of it. But he also said, you know, I kept my juice as a result. And as we talk about management and longevity, we realize that Jack, e either inadvertently or intuitively or perhaps consciously, actually was on the right path in terms of keeping it going for a long time you know it's, I, I, it's, I admire jack so much um you know for for the family i, I had a, a pretty good you know um, opportunity to get to know jackie jr and gary and nan um and just thought the world of them yeah. you know and and they're they're fabulous people it's a fabulous i mean barbara I mean, what could you, we could do? We could do in a whole hour on what a you know sure. what a what a well, saint that, she is, you know, Saint Barbara brought some stability, right? right? Yeah. So you know, um, you know, I have such admiration for the not only Jack what he did with his family and how he raised his family, but just the way he handled himself in general. You know, he he was appropriate. You know, he wasn't. I won't think we'd call him gregarious, but he was appropriate. He was professional. He was respectful, um, and. You know, that's why I think Gary Player sort of, you know, wink, wink, elbow in the side, calls him the greatest loser ever because <laughs> well. because he was the most gracious mm -hmm. loser. By the way, he was the most gracious winner because, you know, you know, I I, think I would a, say that the histrionics that Tiger goes through, they're 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 wonderful to watch. Mm -hmm. They're they're fabulous to watch, and they're you know they're compelling, and they make you watch the screen, and we've got highlight shows of them, but they're not particularly respectful to the people he just well, beat. Well, and, and I think the longevity, I think it was a healthier way to, to achieve competition and to handle loss and and victory uh, for yes. Jack, and yes. not, not Tiger. And so, as, and not to criticize Tiger, but just to say, I think in retrospect, 
Jack was not devastated by many losses uh, because he just had a healthy respect for his yes. opponent. I think I think Watson chipping in in '82 hurt him. Yeah, uh, and he got, it yeah. took him a little right. while. That to get was over the that. fifth open. Yeah, yeah, but you know, again, his resilience was great. Yeah. Um, let me ask you though. Let's say Tiger pulls a miracle and actually wins five more majors and passes Jack. Yeah. Um, now we don't know what the statistics are going That's to say, right. but. That's right. So what? I would say so what? I mean, I would say yeah, you right. Know, you I mean, good argument, he met then. the moment. Sure, he, he did the thing that's most dramatic and has the most impact. Absolutely. So would he then be the greatest player? Well, likely. You know, again, and and I would say ninety eight, ninety nine percent of the people in the world that would do it hands down from an opinion standpoint. You can't argue he won the most majors. He won the most tournaments. What else? What else do you need? And I would say, you know, I mean, I'm sure that his statistics would come up such that they, they would, would come up a bit. They would yeah. rival Jack. let's say they didn't. Well, then I would say he's not. You know, wow. this yeah. is, this is yeah. look, I mean, we've come to the point where we no longer have to be prisoner of the moment. We, we all of the time attach attributes to people based upon athletic achievement mm-hmm. that are not that are not appropriate. You know, we we attach, you know, we say that somebody's smart or we say that somebody's a great guy just because they've had huge athletic achievement. It's like, I'm not going to do that. I, I want to see the data. And if the data says, if the raw numbers say, because I'm of the opinion now, and again, I'm of the opinion now, every event you play in your career matters. You know, and if you finish, if you miss more, you know, 20 cuts... Uh, and you win, you know, five times, whatever. Those twenty cuts matter. I understand, but doesn't you know? winning take something special? And that that element, it it goes beyond the numbers, transcends the numbers. In other words, a psychological it, it, it reality there that some people are wonderful at contending and may have the most consistent and better statistics as by, yeah. by your standard. But when it came to winning, the special thing that history records and pe- it makes the biggest yeah. impression not only on the fans but on the other players. They weren't that good at it. Well, look. Uh, so, and Jack was a good winner. Tiger was an incredible winner. Yeah. Uh, I know majors probably are skewed too far in the you know in the plus column, but it's hard to say when you're standing over a six footer for a major to win it, and you have the the gumption and the and, well, the, and the wherewithal to make that putt. You're a greater golfer than the guy who might outplay a week week in week out who won't make that putt. Well, yeah. I mean, again, um, if you have the talent to be there. You're going to be there a lot more often than somebody less talented, which means you you become more comfortable in those moments, and so it, it's it's a cumulative effect. I you mean, think it's a, lear- a learned behavior it's, that it's yeah, not innate? It's it's absolutely. It's you know I mean very rarely. I mean more and more often now. I will say that players are coming out more fully formed now than they ever have, mm-hmm. uh, and and again that's statistically represented as well. Uh, and we're in an era, I think, of of unprecedented young talent, no question about it, unprecedented, uh, and 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 that's great to see. And I and I I think that is the result of. And again, I'm coming full circle on this. I think coaching has improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, you know 24/7 golf helps uh, young athletes understand what it takes to play the game at the highest level. But if you're if you're if you're talking about the, the probability or the likelihood, or if Tiger does X, will he then be greater than Jack? Um, well, he's, it's so unlikely mm. yes, that it, it would happen. But I was looking at um, and know, in, in the, the only principles way that would, you're talking about. He would have to be dominant because it's, it's not about – exceptionality comes from dominance. It doesn't come from consistency. First, it comes from dominance. Mm-hmm. And he would have to display dominance such that that could even happen. But for you, dominance is not necessarily excelling in majors and not playing well the rest of the year. Well, if you're dominant, you're going to excel in well, major championships. For example, championships. was Brooks Kepka a dominant player last year? Well, look, I, Brooks Kepka is, an, and again, this is my issue sure. with the way golf is going. Mm-hmm. Under certain circumstances, course conditions right. come together to where you cannot beat somebody who hits it nine miles. Perfect circumstances arrived of a soft golf course mm-hmm. and soft greens uh, or 50-yard wide fairways. Again, this is my beef with the USGA. You know, the Whisper, you know, the, uh, the Chambers Bay and yeah, the Aaron Hill, they're so disasters 
disasters. Uh, on the other okay? hand, I think to have a fairway that wide yes, and to allow well, the type of golf that's being played shuffle its way to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, Brooks somewhat, I say vindicated, but he he gained credibility as a player by winning at Shinnecock because well I, it, that was a, a fairly narrow golf course. No, no. Well, it was wider than not, it had not been. U.S. Open narrow. Um, no, not I, classic U.S. Open. You know, it, but I mean, it, he played it, well, it was, and he was able to play from the look. I, I think he's a hell of a player. No, no. I, I, I just think I, that he doesn't have to. When you hit the ball, what's going on in golf right now is you do not have to go through the mental uh, quandary. The um, you don't have to achieve the same level of calmness on the yeah, tee, on the tee with a yeah. penalty for a miss you can drive with air with error with impunity we're going to talk about this and and, and that's what drives me nuts because it doesn't just affect uh the immediate outcome it affects the type of player that I totally you, agree you yeah. end up yeah. look i'd go to the gym too because all yeah. that matters is how strong you are well not not how calm you are let's put let's put this on the table because we will talk about it later uh, yeah, so a, that's what yeah. was great about Jack. Jack Jack stood up on a fairway where if you hit it nine miles, obviously your dispersion rate gets wider, mm-hmm. and you're, the more likelihood that you're going to miss gets bigger, and the penalty you're going to suffer is even more prominent in your mind. And he had the calmness and the control and the quality to get up there and hit a high fade right yeah. in the middle of the fairway or the right side of the fairway, whichever had the best angle into the green. Mm-hmm. And he would do that. Uh, and, well, and I, and, I, and I am in favor of that kind of golf, and I wish it would go back to that kind of golf, but... It's hard to um, indict the current players. They're being asked to do. Now you're saying not indicting the current. No, no, players. I know. Well, it's the system that, uh, yeah, that's, you're that's, indicting that's the style producing and, and, the golf. And I agree with you. I think it is an inferior style. I think the game. It's is, inferior. I think the game is out of balance. Yeah, it's but out of balance. But this is what, and maybe the players have shaped the, the conditions, of the golf course, and the setups, and that's and that's on they the definitely, and have. that's on the organizations. But I think the point is that they. Uh, are being are doing what's asked of the by the golf course and with the and what the equipment will allow them and if Jack was playing today he'd do the same thing probably like Phil was talking the other day and not to get too far off the track but Phil was saying at PGA West I'm just going to hit it as hard as I can I mean it was just the bomb and gouge, gouge philosophy uh, you know writ large basically and and Phil's a smart guy and I, I, that's going to have an effect it's like that's the percentage way mm-hmm. it seems counterintuitive that that's the percentage way to play because it's high risk it would seem but actually it's the percentage way to play the tour. yeah but it but it hurts you I mean look there, there's a reason Phil played so poorly well, in the Ryder Cup it hurts there's you a on reason certain he courses, decided to skip farmers I got for you. the first time since 1990 no, yeah. because no longer Phil can't drive it in a fair way well, with any degree of consistency but he, no but but week to week on the PGA Tour it's a consistent way to play let me just yeah. add really quickly I would say, you know, I respect the whole truth. I don't understand the numbers like you do. I, I, would, I never will, but I, I, I know that it's good that golf is going in that direction to quantify things in a way that's beyond the eye test. I would say, though, I think as a lifelong sports fan, and I know you are too, uh, winning time, so to speak, is what separates champions the most. Why is Tom Brady? Tom Brady is not in many ways, you know, the greatest quarterback statistically. Right. But in the Super Bowl, in these playoff games, he does something special at the moment it has to be done that in most people's mind makes him the greatest player. I think Tiger had that quality, and I think statistics back it up with the third-round lead and the way he converted at that rate. No question. And And Jack was great at it, but Tiger was superior. To me, that's Tiger's greatest argument for being the greatest player, that when he was in position, he could handle all the psychological uh, 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 burdens and and the and the variables of golf his where you 50- don't have your game every day and he still brought it home all the time that his, was amazing his 36 hole mm-hmm. closure rate his 54 hole closure mm-hmm. rate are are some of the greatest statistics uh, in golf and 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 look I he's clearly the best player that's ever played in his peak years and mm-hmm. and I'm not saying this book dismisses all opinion because then what fun no, would that no, be we what, we no longer well, get to debate the discussion and, is and, what and, advances and I, the truth and I, yeah. look. Mm-hmm. I, as I said at the beginning of the show, I think you take your opinions out, you kick them around, and see if you still believe them. And you know, until something comes along that convinces me otherwise, uh, I, I think in this era of big data, when we can accurately measure, and look, I mean, prior to 1920, things don't plan, pan out perfectly in a bell curve. So because of that, the standard deviation doesn't quite work. It's not quite as precise. So you can't say prior to 1920 the proper ranking of those players but since then it was some well, pretty degree of 
accuracy you can. So I'm a, I'm a big believer in it. But I'm look, I'm perfectly happy to sit around here and listen to arguments that Jack's sure. you know Tiger's better than Jack over the course of his career mm-hmm. because of his 54 hole closure rate. It's 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 a compelling argument, and you know it's better than Jack's was. Um, but we'll see. You know, I still I, I just say it's Tiger's best argument. Not that he's making the argument, but yeah. it, it puts him closer to Jack in my mind. I, I still think Jack was the best. Uh, yeah, I well, I think that's I think that's that's well said. You know, I haven't had that many people present that what, argument. What I want to ask you though is, has Tiger fallen because of the um, what you've learned in your mind? As I mean, is he even the second greatest golfer? In? No, he's not. Okay, he's by not. that book, but yeah. I mean, are you really? What you do is you go back and you look a little deeper. So let's make a case for Walter Hagen, okay? From 1913 to 1929, Walter Hagen played in 31 major championships, as we know them, major championships. He won 11 of them. So we're, we're talking roughly a third of them. But back then, the Western Open was a major championship, okay? But they didn't have the terms that we use now. Yeah. The terms nomenclature evolves and it devolves, okay? Mm-hmm. So we've evolved now into calling majors, you know, the big tournaments majors. The Masters came along, and it's evolved into a major championship. Sure. But as that happened, the Western devolved mm-hmm. from major status. Yeah. Hagen lost but those, yeah. we are no more right to rob Walter Hagen of his five Western Opens then we are to give Gene's Harris in the Grand Slam for winning the 1935 match. He didn't win a major when he hold that way. He won a golf tournament. Yeah, he, he won a gathering. He won, it, he he won, won the hero. He got the major. He re- won the equivalent of the hero challenge yeah. in 1935. I think and that's by what, the way, it was not the shot heard around the world. So when you start to look, <laughs> yeah. when you start to look at what Walter Hagen did, so he won 11 major championships. No, he didn't. He won 16. That's two more than Tiger. Okay? And then you start to look at what Sam Snead did and, and see the longevity and the greatness. You know, Sam didn't play in the Open Championship. He played in it in 1937, his rookie year. He finished 11th. He didn't play in it again until 1946, uh, and he won it. Then he didn't play again until 1962 when he was 50, and he finished 6th. He only played four times. So you start to look at Sam Snead's record, and again, his career Z score, standard deviation, it, it is superior yeah. to Tigers. Mm-hmm. So Walter Hagen, Sam Snead, Jack Nicklaus, their career scores mm-hmm. were better than Tigers. Tiger can still change that. He's 43. Mm-hmm. We just saw he could change that. He could come back. And he was on a trajectory to be the greatest player ever. But, look, bad tournaments, bad decades, yeah. uh, bad decisions, mm-hmm. um, un- whatever you want to say, they, they have a cost. Yeah. And they've cost him in the career ranking. Very quickly, I'll, I'll just counter on Hagen, not to say it's definitive, but yeah. he never beat Jones uh, in a major uh, beyond when Jones was starting to win majors. So that was always sort of like, well, Jones was actually better than Hagen. And then, and then well, was, that's just the U.S. Open. Well, I get it. Well, there were a couple of – yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, yeah. And British the Open, Open. too. And they, Br- I don't know that they played in the same Open mm-hmm. – um, it was like when Hogan would or when Hagen would go, Jones wouldn't go. Yeah, I don't want like, to put H- too much on Hagen that. won it in twenty nine. He didn't even play in thirty. Yeah, I, I don't, um, and and you know Hagen won the the, the match, the seventy two hole match they had, pretty pretty handily. Right. Whatever. So it's a, it's a pretty small data. Yeah, it's a small data. I, yeah. I agree. Uh, and and Snead, you know, unfortunately, just didn't close in majors where he was in contention as often as Hogan did or or even Nelson. So there, I think in many people's eyes, not to say they're right, that factor puts him down a little bit. I, I, you know, I still think, Randall, and I, I hope the eye test doesn't go away. Yeah, so look, Sneed, Sneed, won, Sneed won five tournaments or more eight times in his career. Eight times. In 1950, he won 11 you know, as far as being a golfing machine and a golfing athlete, yeah. I don't think anybody was yeah. ever better than Steve. From yeah. what I, t- yeah. from talking to guys like Toskey and guys who played with him a lot, yeah. he could do things even that Nelson couldn't do. Nelson was the underrated guy because he had such a, a short career. But right. as far as controlling the ball and hitting right. it where he was looking, right? right. He I mean, was, the record: Tiger's chasing Snead. All, and all I would say is, I hope the eye test doesn't go away. No, I don't think it ever will. Well, what does it mean to you when you? I mean, you've seen so much golf, you studied so much golf, you well, know so much about s- golf, and you okay. watch. So the eye test much? doesn't go away. That's the, I I get that, and, mm-hmm. and and we all want to argue for what's most recent and and and, no, and give it originality. But that dismisses, and all I'm saying is. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to dismiss. I agree. Because when you say greatest of all time, anytime I'm on a panel and people say, I'm like, well, are we going to really consider no, no, all I, players? I think you're, 
or not. I think your criteria right now is a more noble and equal way of judging everybody. That's right. And, and when I, you say, I don't, I don't disagree with it. And when you say greatest player of all time, but it's almost I don't like mean men. I know. I, I mean know. men yeah. or women. It's, it's gender. It's almost like sabermetrics and analytics in, right. in baseball. You That's know, right. that obviously the general managers are using that to a greater extent. But there was a moment during Moneyball, for example, where analytics took over too much and guys were starting to make bad decisions because they had neglected the eye test of maybe the older scouts and anecdotal things that I still hope that the human, you know, intuition and the human sense of that's better than that. Well, now they still matter. They use statistics. All right. Let's just say when you first start using Sabermetrics, right? Mm -hmm. Oakland A's, Moneyball, famous, right? All right. So with far less salary, he puts together this ragtag team. Does really well. Okay, it's in a huge advantage when you're the one doing it. Okay, mm-hmm. you're the one, the only one at the table counting cards. But when everybody starts counting sure. cards, mm-hmm. when everybody does it, then nuance becomes more of a factor. Yes. That one scene where they're sitting there and they're talking, he's got the old scouts in there, and one's saying, "Well, he's got a, he's got an ugly girlfriend." And they're like, well, what does that have to do with it? Ugly girlfriend means <laughs> yeah, he's got no confidence. It's a variable, and, yeah. And, and, and he's like, you guys are missing well, the boat, yeah, okay? It's a Me Too moment we're, right there. We're, yeah, we are, we're card counters, okay? Yeah. We're, we're going to flip the game upside down. Yeah. And that's where you know, Brad Pitt's character was going, we're not talking about opinion anymore. We're talking about fact. And we have at our disposal the but, ability but to are those statistics properly. definitive in other words the whole truth's a wonderful first step perhaps only yeah. they're going to refine these stats yeah. should we should you buy all in on something that in essence is a pioneer well, be, it's a pioneering effort it's not a definitive effort there's plenty of people that will say you know the western open wasn't a major uh, but look in my eyes it was i've always looked at it as i don't think it's right that we've taken majors away from players given majors to players you know nobody can pinpoint exactly i mean who's a better historian than you no you you tell me no i'm not i mean you're you're right there who would be normal no no i know things tell me exactly i'm not i'm not comprehensive i'm not nobody can well no there's a lot of people who know more uh, about i mean if dan jacks were sitting right here I, i i trust and i'm not saying i'm just one opinion here but i do trust the sense of uh, assessing athleticism and assessing, uh, you know, skill. Uh, and that may not be borne out all the time by statistics. And so maybe I'm wrong with that. Well, but, no, no. but I think, you know, when you talk about the eras of golf, you look at Byron Nelson's swing and you look at Sam Snead's swing and you look at Ben Hogan's swing and, and have they, has, the, has the game really progressed? Are golfers really better? That's a great point. You know, so... Everybody but now still talking about those golf swings. Okay, and, and, and those are three that are the most obvious, but, you know, you wonder with equipment becoming what it has and the course setups being what, what they are, has, has the game been de-skilled? Which, well, it's you know, not only and, been de-skilled, but the golf swing has gotten so, worse uh, right. in so a that lot would, of aspects. Yeah, and we don't, I don't mean to get off Tiger and Jack because the, the point, I think, is Jack's era is something that hasn't been considered as well either. I mean, Tiger, there's a, there's a presumption that he beat more players, there was more depth. But yeah, there's also the argument that. that Jack beat more hardened winners. Right. And it was at the top of the leaderboard harder to win in those days. So. Yeah. This could go on forever. Yeah, uh, Cass, but those, how are we those, doing? those arguments. Uh, those, one minute. Those uh, okay. we got one minute, but you know, just real quickly on that point. Sure. Yeah. Um, you can, regardless of the era, you're a product of whatever era you, you grew up in. So, if 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 your era is less athletic than a previous era, the likelihood that you would dominate athletically is is but, but, is just as impressive as somebody who just dominates. Just very quickly, in an though, athletic. every sport that's measured. Uh, with time is more athletic. Of course, look, if Francesco so, Molinari went back and played Bobby Jones, he would demolish him. Okay. He would demolish him. He would he would he would beat him but not if, know, 9 and 8. Not necessarily if Bobby Jones had the same equipment and could practice with it. Well, you, you yeah, again yeah, though. I'm yeah. just talking about No, okay. Well, it, to say okay. is Molinari better than Bobby Jones? No, not even the same league. Yeah. But he would demolish him if they played head. Well, I think this is a view that people have about Tiger and Jack. So in other words, the game how, has progressed. Tiger won at an area when the game had progressed farther, so he's better than Jack. In that regard, because 
all the golfers are better. No, than, you, you have and to I don't believe that. You, you're right, yeah, yeah. And, you, and you shouldn't because yeah. you have to compare what someone did against their peers. Mm-hmm. And then you use that comparison to another athlete in another area compared to their peers. And then you use that comparison to another athlete, what they did against their peers. And then you can draw. Yeah. Look, you can make comparisons across eras and across genders. I am not at all in the camp that you can't start talking about Annika Sorenstam is the second greatest player of all time. Patty Berg is the fourth best player of all time. Because, again, standard deviation, Z-score, it is gender neutral. It is era neutral. And only then can we start to go back and appropriately bring the careers into perspective of the greatest players of all time. I think it's apples and oranges, men to women, personally. I, I give well, you, I well, give you that some were if, more dominant than others, but the, but, 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 but the ball's you, if, going sixty yards farther with the men. So Francisco Molinara hits it sixty yards further than Bobby Jones did. So is that apples to oranges? Well, that's is that's, that apples that's, to oranges? That's an interesting point. Uh, you know, I, I mean, with different equipment though. With the yeah. same equipment, but he would hit it further. No, I, I mean, think, I think if Jones had today's equipment, he wouldn't be 60 yards behind. Francis well, you're right, with yeah, different yeah. equipment. But yeah. regardless, the quality of golf that Molinari is playing in this era mm-hmm. it far surpasses the quality of golf that Bobby Jones but, was but, playing but, in his But era. Bobby Jones's uh, level, or Bobby Jones, is the game he played may have required more skill because of the equipment. So that's where I think the issue is. Who, what era had the most skill? Right. But let me just conclude then, right. because yes. we've run out of time and it's been great. Right. Kaz is telling us we've had enough time. Yeah, we had enough. We'll have to save this for the next podcast. Well, of course. Uh, so just just on the Tiger, I guess where we are is actually Tiger has fallen slightly from your earlier view that he was closer to Jack. And for me, he's still very close to Jack. There was a time I thought he was going to be better than Jack. Me too. And I assumed it. And Me too. and it depends again on the criteria. If you say, well, was the best golf he played better than Jack's best golf? Then perhaps he is the greatest golf. But if it's the totality and and the career, then I think Jack's ahead. Oh, but I, he, I, look, he's got I, this. I, I think it's, but but still, the jury's out until until Tiger's career's over. He's got that <laughs> that freight train of history is back on the tracks, and, mm-hmm. and you know, there's there's never been a more compelling golfer uh, in the history of the game than Tiger Woods. Never. Never, not even close. I mean, everything he does is he's animated. You know, he's, he's yeah. His he's, life narrative. He's, he's, that 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 scene at East Lake that was basically reflective of people yeah. connecting with an incredible human story well, that we haven't seen probably in, people other than people Hogan. love a great comeback yeah, story. Yeah, and yeah, a, and, a, and, a and bit so of much underdog. complexity and so much nuance to it too. Because yeah. you know, from childhood all through adulthood, his life's been complicated and, and right. not easy. And, and I think people com- sense that. He yeah. was noticeably different last year. Yeah. Uh, not just on the golf course, mm-hmm. uh, but just in, in, in every way he reacted uh, with the media. Uh, I, th- I thought he was, you know, very respectful. Um, you know, he got asked, you know, difficult questions and the same question every single day. He was respectful. He was patient. He's compartmentalized. It was, it was great to see. The killer that it took to be yeah, it was great the to winner see. that he was, great and, to see. And, and grown as a human. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was yeah. very easy to be pulling for him yeah. last year. You know, we're meant to be, you know, um, uh, impartial, but uh, it was very easy to pull for him. Well, great talking to you. All right, enjoy. Thank it. you very Thanks. much. Thanks, Jaime. Thank you, Kath. Look forward to doing this. And so uh, we'll be seeing you guys in a month. And uh, we don't know what the topic's going to be, but I know it'll be profound coming from Brandle, and hopefully uh, whatever piques our interest. We'll we'll, we'll break some some new ground in, in golf thinking. Thank you very much. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.